as we like to say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever twilight hour you find yourselves tuning in, for you have discovered a great wonder. You are at the DC Comics News Podcast. This is episode number 64. I am your host, Seth Singleton, and the fabulous, fantabulous four have reunited. We are back. Not just me, but Kelly Gaines. Say hello. hello. <laughs> and hello, Mr. Brad Flick, say hello. Hey, hey. And Mr. CJ Ray, how are you, sir? I am alive. And we are all healthy, hale, and whole, and happy to be coming to you with this episode. We know what the climate is like outside, and if there's one thing we all agreed upon before we started today, it was the fact that coming together and talking about these stories gives us a place to step outside of whatever atmosphere we are currently experiencing and take heart, pleasure, and joy in celebrating all the things that we love about these stories, their content, their characters, and of course, the opinions that we have that go along with them. Starting things off for us, the release of some really gorgeous Wonder Woman 1984 photos, I was mesmerized. Kelly, how about you? I had, so I definitely had the, the mesmerized reaction, specifically that, that one picture of um, Diana stopping the two gunmen. Um, I think it's, I mean, obviously haven't seen the movie yet, but it seems a lot like the um, there's a scene in the beginning of her her rebirth title where she stops a mall shooting and just the entire scene is so beautiful and so perfectly done to Wonder Woman's character because it's right after she um, it, right after she actually comes to, you know, kind of the world of men. And her confusion in the moment as to why this sort of event is happening right into action. And then to see how her little interactions in the mall with the the people that were there when she first got there play out throughout that scene is so nice. So if there's anything even remotely like that in the movie, I'm excited for it. Um, the other takeaway I had was the fanny pack on Steve Trevor. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks just. I can't judge because my father to this day still wears a fanny pack. Um, any vacation we go on, if we go to the boardwalk, um, it's, it is his favorite thing. And he's had the same black fanny pack since I, I assume since 1990. So <laughs> I, you know, everything about these pictures has me excited. Um, awesome. Yeah, um, I, my only disappointment uh, with these pictures were I felt like I've seen a lot of these scenes at least a little bit in the trailer. So it didn't give me any new information. But that uh, picture of Cheetah talking to Maxwell Lord was uh, really cool and uh, and new. So that was kind of that was kind of cool to see. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the pictures. I'm just kind of really wanting more information <laughs> about the movie. Uh, as you know, as we get closer to finally getting a chance to see it, uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, it's lovely to gain some nice high res shots from the film, but like you say, most of them are from the trailer. But luckily, the article that had the pictures also had the trailer, which I just had to experience again just because of that stellar Blue Monday remix, which has got all my obsession gears all in a grind, and I need that track 
ASAP. And on the whole uh, note about, as you call them, was it fanny packs? Um, over in the UK, we call them yeah. bum bags because, um, well, same things. Obviously, you call your, the, the, your butt fanny and and whatever. But luckily, I, I will state categorically, as a child of the 80s, the 80s were my teenage years. I have one claim to fame that I never owned one of those bad boys. And I am so pleased. And this is a time when evil world wrestling heavyweight champions of the world walked around with those things. And I never succumbed. You're welcome, world. Thank you. (laughs) Seth, what did you think? I have a confession. Uh, My father and I had matching black leather ones. There's nothing I can do about that fact. It's just the way it is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) However, my claim to fame is I I never wore bike shorts, despite all the frenzy that went around wearing these black neon bike shorts, which were a big deal. I never pulled a pair of those bad boys on. And there's a part of me that that looks in the mirror and and can look myself in the eyes knowing that when it comes to the uh, fanny pack. Yeah. Although the style at the time was to wear it in the front, which totally defeated the purpose of the name in my mind and made me feel more idiotic exactly. Than, exactly. than I did later when I had to look back on myself with that. Um, <laughs> when it comes to uh, what, what's stuff. that, Kelly? <laughs> My dad said that's how people steal your stuff. Like when we went to Six Flags, he'd wear it on the front because he was like, yeah, if it's in the back, people will just take your keys. And right. like it, it made so much sense to me at the time. <laughs> as much as a fanny pack made sense still in like 2004. But <laughs> right. Practical. Practical. Um, I got them because I also understood I was also big into backpacking and camping and hiking. For those purposes, it makes sense, because if you backpack, you want to have a secondary pack you can take for, you know, shorter excursions after you set up camp. It made sense then. But then when the style came out to do it the other way, I was just like, I don't understand the world I live in. And I think I'm just a stranger. And thankfully, that's something I've never gotten over because I I still find myself with something happening in the world where I'm like, I don't understand the world I live in. And I'm a stranger. That's okay. Uh, Back to what you guys were saying about the photos, because we could talk plenty about fanny packs. And that photo was legendary. Brad, what you said about that photo, um, Cheetah, Max Lord, there was something juicy there, you know, because... You don't know if there's like a, a sexual tone to it. You don't know if that's Max putting on his, his whammy powers. And then you have to wonder how that comes into play with the rest of the story. Like what if the impetus for Cheetah going down the wrong path is just a suggestive thought from Mr. Maxwell Lord in this version? Who knows where we could be taking it. But I love the, the possibility that sort of just sits in that picture. There was something really intense about the way they were looking at each other. Where I was like, man. Whatever's happening in this moment, I feel like it's pivotal to the movie. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of a a picture that they tossed in for fans like us who know a little bit about the lore and about the characters to, like you said, kind of give us something to think about and wonder about. Yeah. Now, I agree with you guys that the other ones seemed like I'd seen them all before, especially the cockpit with the fireworks. That just seemed like, okay, I have clearly seen this before. Um, but the one that still just looks amazing, and I, I, I would be happy to just have a print of it and glance at it all the time, is that shot of the lasso flying towards the camera. That's a really gorgeous picture. And uh, I heard someone say something once, um, and I really appreciate it because I, I, I heard it 
probably in the last like month or so, but they were like, if it doesn't have emotion, good or bad, what's the point? And when I saw that picture, I was like, there's emotion in that. You know, you you can take whatever you want, you know, trying to read into what's happening or what's going on. But there's that feeling of that lasso flinging forward and the power that's coming with it. And, uh, gorgeous stuff. Um, Steve, you're going to have to let us all know. And then we would like to see you dancing to that new order version you were talking about. Because oh, wow. I know you jump yeah. up and down with joy all the time. <laughs> and I figure, well, let's throw a little groove into it, baby. How does it feel? Tell me now, how does it feel? <laughs> and it sounds so good in the movie theater with that yeah. loud band. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. So and that yeah. whole orchestral stuff they put into it as well. And the yeah. way they made it so uh, 2020, but it's still got that whole 80s vibe to it as well. I cannot wait to own that new version of the track because it, it seriously kicks ass. <laughs> well, you know what I love is the fact that Steve or that Brad, you just brought up something great that Steve was echoing there. And it's the fact of how good it sounded in the theater, because our next story could have been about Wonder Woman 1984 streaming instead of going to the theater. Thankfully, our very well aware Mr. Steve J. Ray found out that that story has since been debunked. And we now get a chance to talk about this because one this seems like something of a likelihood, as I've seen in other news stories about the suggestion being made for other properties that was supposed to start being released soon and might be considering the direct on-demand route. And yet now that it's been debunked and what that value means and the experience we'll all get to have by actually hearing that song in the theater with the movie, Brett, what do you feel about this idea that people were even buying into this story and what it means now that it's since been debunked? Well, I could see why people would buy into it. Uh, there is, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty right now, especially when it comes to the entertainment industry and things like that, because we just don't know when uh, we're going to get back into the theater. So it, it, from that standpoint, I think it, it makes sense that that would be a possibility. But this is such a tentpole film that I don't think, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think that a studio would want to risk it. It turns out to be that that's the case. Because, uh, you know, you hear about movies coming out and they lose so much money and they're a bomb, whatever. Studios can release those kind of movies and not worry about that so much because they have movies like Wonder Woman that has the potential to make literally hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know, throughout the you know the world. So I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's something that they're going to want to uh, to risk because this is going to be something that's going to help Warner Brothers, you know, throughout the you know it's the whole year it's one of their definitely temple event movies of the year so okay. uh, you know yeah i'm just excited to see it uh, now i know i switched up the order on it so i'm gonna go kelly steve and then we'll get things back correct again but brad kind of teed it off so well with that whole theater suggestion so kelly and then steve kelly what do you think about this story that almost was has since been debunked and everything that goes with that yeah i um I mean, when I initially saw that it's possible it would go straight to streaming, there was a part of me that was like, yes, I will get to see it sooner. But then a little part of me that's like, well, so much of the revenue depends on, um, you know, on people actually going to theaters to see the movie. And I know personally I have, you know, a lot of friends and coworkers who aren't into comic books at all who are pumped to see this movie. 
So, you know, just from gauging from even my own interactions, this is something that will probably sell a lot of tickets and be really, really good for DC. Um, and then as far as things going to streaming, I know with with theaters being closed, with kind of the initial chaos of what does the world look like when everybody's sort of staying indoors, um, there is a lot of room for any kind of enter- entertainment industry to really not cash in on, but to provide the the home entertainment that people are looking for. Um, so with a company like DC, because there's DC Universe, like this would be a really good time to say, you know, subscriptions to DC Universe are cut in half for the next month if you subscribe and then, you know, sort of get viewers in that way. Um, but as far as actually taking the the feature films and putting them on streaming initially in, in any capacity, I don't think it's that good of an idea. Um, yeah, so much of their money actually depends on people have to go to the theater and see this movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see it. I know a lot of other people are. So if it means an extra month or two wait, I will begrudgingly agree. Steve? Totally what you said. I would rather wait and see it in theaters later that not seen in the theatre at all. This is the kind of film that was made for the big screen, not just for the visual aspect of it, like Brad and I keep harping on when it comes to big movies like this, because of the soundtrack, the music, the effects, the atmosphere, the popcorn, the people on their phone that you want to throw a brick at. It's that whole cinematic experience that you can't not have. And I'm so glad that Warner Brothers went direct to IndieWide to say, actually, listen, guys, um, not true. We've never said this. Wonder Woman will be in theatres. It may be delayed. It may come out a little bit later. But we are aiming for a theatrical release for this film. And listen, um, I just want to see Pedro Pascal, who's already played one of my favourite characters in The Mandalorian last year, play an absolute villain in Maxwell Lord. And I have a horrible feeling that, yes, he's behind the whole cheetah turn. And he may even have used his mind nudge, his power, to convince Wonder Woman that um, Steve Trevor's alive and he isn't. Mm. On that note, Seth. (laughs) This is what I love about hanging out with you guys and stirring the pot, because all of these wonderful little nibbly bits come right to the surface. Steve, those were some juicy things to chew on. I mean, what I love about the idea is that now we're talking about the power of suggestion that could be used for Cheetah, how it could be now being used in a different way on Wonder Woman. What does that nudge look like now? We saw it back with Justice League. We saw how he put together a team and how he would use his powers to manipulate. But what does it look like for a character experiencing it? What does it look like to have him inside of your mind that way? And what will that be like if that's what he's actually doing to Diana? That's really interesting. Um, when it comes to what you guys are suggesting about this movie, though, I do agree it's an event. That's what makes it something that you see in the theater. You, you go to sporting events because of the atmosphere, the arena, the place that ho- how, ah, holds and houses all of those people. Like you said, Steve, the chuckleheads you want to chuck your drink at but at the same time make up the environment they're part of all of that experience that you can't replicate in any other way um i don't care if they tried to do this vr it's just not going to be the same 
So holding off, recognizing when it's important to make an event feel like the event that it's supposed to and making sure that it has a venue to do that. Uh, really smart idea to hit the pause button, get a good sense of what's going on around them and then act accordingly. I think also, Kelly, you brought up a really good point, which is that for some products, like Brad mentioned, they can expect certain things to not have the same financial success because they can count on 10 poles like Wonder Woman. Um, but all the things we can think about between the photos we just saw and how the recognition of this event is so important that the pause button is going to be hit and we should eventually get to see this in theaters. There's some really powerful things that go along with the importance that comes with a movie like Wonder Woman 80, 1984. Kelly, as you mentioned, a lot of your people that you know, they're not comic book fans, but this is a movie they want to see. And that's something that we should encourage with a great event that allows it to be showcased and experienced in all of its wonder and glory. Now, you know that when we're talking about all the stuff on here, we start with movies, we go to TV streaming, and then it's comics. So for our final movie story, we're moving into an interesting sort of follow-up on these ideas, which is that Birds of Prey will be released early on video on demand. So we're going back in order, which means, Kelly, you're first up to bat. What was your take on this announcement, how it falls in the light of what we were just talking about, but also kind of talks about what you said, how it is that markets can provide for customers during a very specifically challenging time. Yeah, um, I think as far as Birds of Prey going earlier than expected to video on demand, it's a good idea in the sense that Birds of Prey did have some time in theaters, you know, people who really wanted to experience that, um, you know, the, the whole theater aesthetic and the, the whole theater sort of community that that wanted to also see Birds of Prey could. Um, and now that it's moving to video on demand earlier, I think that gives us a chance for those of us, a, a lot of us throughout the world who are stuck at home, can actually watch this movie and see it. And if you haven't seen it before, if you wanted to rewatch it, or if you're just bored out of your mind and want to see what the hype is about, now you can. Um, I think that is actually a really smart move on their part because they're not, you know, at this point, it's not that they're going to be with theaters shut down, losing theater sales. It's more of we're making it available to people. We're making it available to a large amount of people who now have time on their hands to maybe, you know, stream a movie or watch a movie that they wouldn't have seen otherwise just because it's available. So I think it's, it's a really good idea. Um, and something, I mean, my hope would be that a lot of entertainment companies start to sort of move towards that avenue of how can we make things accessible to a lot of people that maybe weren't accessible before. Um, yeah, so it's I, I think this is probably a really good outlet for Birds of Prey. Brad? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, it did have a you know a little bit of a rocky box office start and, and things like that, but releasing it to video on demand so quick after it's in the theaters whatever the circumstances i think it's still in people's minds because i think there's still people out there would be like you know i wanted to see that and now they have that opportunity that's so much easier it's right there in their house they have time on their hands now boom so i think that this will you know in the end really help this film's bottom line so i think that's kind of uh, encouraging steve what do you think 
the same. Um, even though I'm very disappointed it didn't do better in theatres because it's a great movie. Um, the timing for it to be released early on video on demand right now is genius because there are people going to be stuck at home for the foreseeable. And this is the kind of movie that will make that stay at home a lot more bearable. It's a couple of hours of excellent entertainment, great action, humour, colourful characters. And it's a film I'll own. I'll buy it because um, I loved it. I wasn't expecting to. I thought it would be just another comic book movie. And honestly, it's one of the most underrated and one of the ones I've enjoyed the most over the last few years. So good luck, Birds of Prey. I hope you do fantastically well at home. And listen, films like Blade Runner bombed at cinemas. The original Terminator bombed at the cinema. But on home video, it kicked every kind of butt imaginable. And both those movies have gone on to become cult classics and legends and hey you know if birds of prey does the same kind of thing then i'm going to be one happy little fan what about you seth well i'm happy to echo what i think is some really smart things you guys have been saying the fact that there was uh, a window for viewing it in theaters that had already been determined and those audience members who were able to see it in theaters got that chance this isn't in any way cutting short that period, but it is doing a service by turning around, providing this film as early as possible, earlier than it was originally announced for video on demand. And the fact that you can get it on all of the most popular platforms like Amazon and iTunes means that if for whatever reason that wasn't a good time for you to see it, now you've got a lot of time on your hands and you've already heard glowing ringing endorsements and one of the things I love is when someone says underrated, because that always pricks my ears up. I want to know why something got passed over. I want to know why it didn't get the uh, recognition it deserves. So I think that message being shared and the opportunity to access it more readily at a time when, again, we've got so much time. When it comes to this project, what you guys have been saying is completely spot on. And I'm happy about the fact that they're recognizing a need. They're recognizing how they can provide during that need and also the opportunity for this to become another cult classic. So I think all of those are great ways to see this is one of those examples that Kelly was talking about, how we can see where there's an opportunity to serve a need for a community that is going to enjoy this, especially if they didn't get a chance to enjoy it the first time around. And if you did, stream it now. And then, like Steve, go ahead and pick up that, uh, you know, that physical copy at some point. Um, the great thing is, it's a really bright story for us to wrap up the movie section and turn around now to the TV and streaming news. And with that, we lead off with a, a sort of lighthearted and very positive celebration that follows the sad news that Lyle Wagner, who was best known to comic fans, and especially DC comic fans, as Steve Trevor on the Wonder Woman television show, has passed away. And in recognition of that, this article did a wonderful job of pointing out how he played such an amazing character as the handsome announcer on the Carol Burnett show. I love the clip, but thankfully, you're not just here to get my opinion. Kelly, what was your take on this story? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's always nice to see sort of a, a celebration of life after someone passes. Um, and my familiarity with the Carol Burnett show comes purely from I, I worked at a senior home for a little bit and they loved watching reruns of the Carol Burnett show. And it's funny because I'm actually more familiar with him from that show than I am from the Wonder Woman from the 70s. I, I've only seen bits and pieces of that show. Um, so it, it is really sad to hear that he's passed, but also, you know, a, a life well lived with a really good career that you can be proud of is something to celebrate, definitely. Um, Brad, what did you think? Uh, yeah, you know, I feel behind the times here because I I knew him from the Carol Burnett show, uh, but I did not realize that he was in Wonder Woman. So it makes me realize that I really need to go back. And it's been a while since I've seen any of those episodes to go back and, and rewatch and re-familiarize myself uh, with it. But, um, you know, he, he was so good on the Carol Burnett show. It's, it's sad to see him go, but he, you know, he he definitely had a full life. Um, so, you know, it's, it's uh, you're sorry to see him go, like I said, but I, I do think I'm going to have to go and rewatch some of these old Wonder Woman episodes now just to get kind of more of appreciation for his work uh, outside of the Carol Burnett show. Uh, Steve, what do you think? It's really weird because um, over here in the UK, uh, unless you're a, someone who can access TV shows, the Carol Burnett show is something that we never get, got to see here. It, it didn't air. Or if it did, it was long before I was born. Um, whereas Wonder Woman in the 70s was a huge part of my childhood. That and uh, Adam West's Batman were my earliest TV comic book shows. Then it was obviously uh, Nicholas Hammond's Spider-Man and Bill Bigsby's Hulk. So to see the... For, for me, the original Steve Trevor's gone and the fact that he actually screen tested and it was almost Batman uh, instead of Adam West. It's, yeah, another another of the great ones has been taken away from us. But uh, he was brilliant in Wonder Woman. He was a square jawed hero, but he was honest. He was pure. He was one of those all round good guys. And uh, as fantastic a partner to Wonder Woman as one could ever hope for so I hope you're flying your invisible jet up in the sky Mr Wagoner uh, rest in peace and love and condolences to all your family and friends Seth what did you make of this story what I loved about this story was seeing Lyle Wagner displaying some really amazing comedic chops in that Carol Burnett segment um, it, it was so much fun for me because one of the things that always sort of cracked me up about him as Steve Trevor on Wonder Woman was the way that it seemed that he was just a little comedic, just a little bit. Um, I mean, he was the square jaw guy, but there were moments when Wonder Woman would do something where he was like, ah, that would have terrified me. Thank goodness. Wow. I guess you're so lucky. There was something just fun about the way that there was this like mirth and laughter behind his eyes. And now I can attribute that to these great comedic chops that he displays in this clip. I loved the little details in the story, the uh, clip about, you know, almost becoming Batman in that casting, but also how he was still getting money and would answer the letters, but the money was for a pamphlet on how to audition and get the job available for $1. Um, there, there's just so much about this that reminds me of how much fun I had seeing him on Wonder Woman, what it was like to get a chance to 
watch that character play out and have that recognition where Lyle Wagner is one of those names where when I hear it, I just think Steve Trevor. I think of that smile. I think of the uniform. And I think of those scenes with the robotics and computers that even then didn't seem quite real. But what do I know about computers who can tell me anything? Um, and I, I just sort of love this uh, this tribute, this way that we can remember fondly uh, a great work that he did that for me was in addition to the great works I knew and loved him for as Steve Trevor on Wonder Woman. So um Really enjoyed this story. Love the the parts you guys were talking about. Brad, your story. I love the fact that you know him from Carol Burnett, <laughs> but yeah. not from Wonder Woman. I was just like, what? That's like that's like the reverse of me. That's how that. Wow. That's, that's well. I story. I I have some some yeah. friends that were into it, and they had um, DVDs and that we would watch, you know, here and again. So that was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, when I heard about him passing away. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, for me, Wonder Woman was one of those characters. Like I remember getting teased as a young boy because they're like, you like Wonder Woman? And I'm like, it's such a great show. And Linda Carter is beautiful. Um, and, and that was really, that, that was it for me. She was just so cool. I love the spinning and changing costumes. Wonder Woman was a, a milestone for me. I mean, it, it was, it was a really great experience. It, it just seemed to embrace all the wonder that comes with a character like that and steve trevor was such a wonderful element to you know combine with that um so thank you guys this was a fun story if you found yourself enjoying harley quinn season one and catching your breath maybe on more than one occasion between what you saw or heard um well season two is on its way there's a trailer and if you thought you were blushing before, let's just say I heard some descriptions of things like ice caverns using other examples that I was not prepared for. And also an expression for what it means when you meant to smash things, couldn't, and then smash something smaller in response. So many of these elements made <laughs> this trailer so much fun for me and, of course, made me hungry for season two. But like I said, the best part about DC Comics News Podcast is you're not just hearing me. We've got a great cadre of amazing comments to enjoy. Kelly, what was your take on this season two trailer? <laughs> I, I I am so excited. I've I don't think I've watched a show over as many times in the first season of it airing as I have with Harley Quinn. Um that and from from what it says in this article. Season two airs on my birthday, which means that even if I'm still in home quarantine, my birthday is going to be <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, I like it, it, this couldn't be better news. Um, yeah, that that show is just the funniest, most. It's one of those things that I wish I could show more people, but I know by showing people, I'm going to be testing the boundaries of what they know I think is funny. Um but yeah, it's just everything about this is <laughs> backroll is hilarious. I love that challenge. <laughs> it's you know, there there are things that you can tell your close friends, like, watch this, it's hilarious. And then there are things where you want to tell like a an acquaintance or a coworker, and then you go, you should see never mind. And then that I just everything about this show has been hilarious. I, I don't think I've watched 
again, I, I really don't think I've seen anything that has actually made me cry laughing before, and this has. Um, so yeah, I'm now, if I wasn't looking forward to my birthday, I am now. And yeah, this, it, if, if you don't have DC Universe, I would argue that this is the reason to get it above all other reasons. Uh, Brad, what do you think? That is so funny. My birthday is April 2nd, so you must be a day a day after. So I was like, I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's such a good little birthday present. Oh, um, your birthday buddy. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> birthday buddies. <laughs> a hive mind. And great. one part yeah. of the hive mind is expressed <laughs> and understood. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I loved the first season so much, uh, you know, and I think a few weeks ago, Steve and I were talking about this and how I had seen the uh, the first episode back at New York Comic Con and it, it didn't grab me. I wasn't super impressed, but then I went back recently and watched the whole thing and it just got so much better. I loved it. Uh, those characters are just amazing. The voice acting is incredible. Uh, I can't I can't see can't wait to see how they kind of try to up the ante for the second season judging by the trailer we uh you know as as seth was talking about there's it definitely uh definitely some ways that you can see that they're going to do that but um yeah I, i'm so excited and this will if we are still uh quarantined this will make that go that much faster because i will devour this if uh if i'm not going out or to work uh steve what do you think I think that I'll never look at an ice cavern the same way again. That's for sure. Um, wow. That trailer, <laughs> seriously unbelievable. I, I mean, the show itself um, definitely tested the limits of acceptability. But this trailer, I think, actually uh, takes it one step further. And I can't wait to play it for my wife tomorrow and uh, just to see her little face when she um is that line in particular but uh yeah wow brad and i were talking yeah a couple of weeks back about the new cast members and we finally get to hear alfred molina as uh freeze and he looks great we see sonal athan's catwoman but i really wanted to hear her voice so oh i need another trailer and i need this new show and i want it immediately and um let's just make sure that we wrap up warm when going into any um cavernous places in the near future. Seth. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That is just too perfect. Yeah, and you got to remember, when it comes to things, it's different for, you know, uh, humans and sharks, as the trailer points out. Um, when, oh, really? when it came to this, yes, uh, you know, I, you clearly, know at least for King Shark, he, he was really quick to point out, oh, there's a difference. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll let others experience that and take their own interpretations to what that all meant. Uh, goodness, I think this pushed the limitations for what I thought was possible in a trailer. I wasn't sure you could get away with all that. And yet they did. And they did it wonderfully, magnificently. Everything you guys were talking about. Um, the first episode, I was looking for the buy-ins and they started to happen really fast for me. And after that, I was just hooked because by the time we get into this idea of who Harley has been and who she can be, it, it was such a wonderful adventure with an amazing cast. I I, <laughs> I loved each version that we got a chance to see. Um, 
kind of play out. I, I loved Clayface. I, I loved Ivy. We were talking a little while back. This Ivy that we have, um, if she's not a standard, um, I don't know what you guys are measuring against because she's amazing. Just top notch. Um, and everyone else who gets blended into the cast as it builds along the supporting characters, you know, whether it's the ex-CIA guy or whoever you want to point to and the new cast that we're looking at. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what you were saying about Freeze is spot on, Steve. Um, just just a little bit for us to have now. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we didn't get to hear Selena. So this is definitely going to keep us anxious for that next trailer and a chance to hear what these characters sound like. Because as Brad pointed out right now, we've had a wonderful display of great voice acting. And, uh, you know, big kudos to Kaylee Cuoco, too. I love her being the front line on this. I feel like she drives this thing forward every time Harley opens her mouth. I'm just like, here it comes. Here it comes. And that's a wonderful expectation to have with a character, just knowing that it's going to be great and that you want it. And I swear, sometimes she's just like shouting her line. And I love this sort of just like, I could be talking in a normal voice, but I'm Harley. And there's just something wonderful about the way a good actor embraces a character like that and then says, here, let me show you what I love and why I love it. You're going to love it, too. And with that trailer, Psycho writing parademons, maybe a chance to see Granny, Darkseid himself, who knows, um, but already knowing that we've set ourselves up with a, a really fun, you know, big name villain like Freeze, I'm in, I'm in for a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. And I love the way this set us up. Plus, if the next story is any indication, we might be in a great deal of reliance on the fact that some things have already finished their production. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the fact that we're well aware of the environment that we're having this conversation in. And that as much as we can have these great moments, there are also some real world impacts to the current coronavirus atmosphere and what that's doing for production. When it comes to our next story on the TV and streaming side of things, the CW has announced that it's postponing the airing of new Flash and DC's Legend of Tomorrow episodes, potentially in response to the fact that production is also uh, shut down. This is to be expected with so many other projects stopping right now while we assess the health of the world and what we can do best to support and maintain during this most recent challenge. Uh, With that in mind, Kelly, what was your take on this announcement, how it's affecting you and uh, just your overall uh, response, feelings, thoughts? You know how this works. Kelly. (laughs) I think I'm probably going to start to sound like a broken record throughout several of the stories we're going to cover but as far as things being delayed with um you know the the current climate of the world and and what's going on i i can't fault any company any you know private worker any i i can't fault anyone for delays in in production and productivity because the world is kind of upside down right now so even if you know this is airing episodes that have already already been filmed or already been produced or if it's episodes that haven't been produced yet in any case it's the entire dynamic of working whether it's working from home or learning how to you know kind of take these things onto yourself and get a full day's work done while you're stuck in in the twilight zone in your own home um yeah there's going to be delays and so i can't 
fault any company for saying, you know what, this is going to be a little bit later than we expected it to be. Um, they're airing reruns in place, but they're airing something in place. You know, the world is still turning. So as long as that's the case, then, you know, it's just we can expect that things are going to be a little stunted for the the foreseeable future. Um, Brad? Yeah, I think that we all have to take a step back and just kind of understand the situation. Just know that we will get to see these episodes. We just have to wait a little bit. And I I, I kind of think that this delay is going to be less than uh, it would be for movies and things like that. Uh, and on a personal level, it bothers me less because this gives me a chance to kind of catch up on all these shows. I'm a little bit behind on these CW shows. So now, you know, well, while we're uh, stuck inside, it gives me a good chance to uh, to get caught up. So, um, yeah, it's just something that we just kind of have to take on the chin and accept that this is for, uh, you know, for the greater good for everybody involved. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, we, we have to realize that there are dozens, if not hundreds of people working behind the scenes on these shows and to keep them safe, to keep the cast and crew healthy. If it means delaying the shows, that's a damn good reason to do so. And listen, I've got nothing to complain about. Um, we still haven't seen the last half of Crisis and Infinite Earth in the UK. They're waiting for the mid-season breaks and the breaks between the breaks that the CW are quite famous for. So I think that once production is back in swing, we'll probably get everything in order with no delays and no breaks all at once. Fingers crossed. That, that's what I'm hoping for. But uh, if everyone out there is safe and they get the shows finished and they're all hale and hearty, then any delay is more than worth it. At least with this story, we know why it's a good reason why. Not like with some of the comics delays where we still are none the wiser as to why these things are happening. So everyone who works at the CW, good decision, even though it's sad and it means uh, we'll wait longer for our shows. At least we're still going to be getting them. I, I can live with that. What about you, Seth? I can, and I will live with it. I have no problem accepting this story for the face value. That is, all of us right now are asking of each other and doing our best to provide a greater sense of understanding. How we don't know what the impacts are right now, and because we're experiencing them, we're doing our best to show that patience that allows for understanding. This is one of those stories that it makes all the sense in the world, and I have no problem understanding. And in the meantime, what a wonderful idea. If you've been a little busy, we're going to rerun a couple of the most recent episodes so you can start, you know, preparing. If you're like Brad and you've fallen behind, this is a great time to catch up. As Kelly mentioned, I believe last week or the week before, we always say at the end of the show, read more comics. So in moments like this, you have an opportunity to read more comics. I mean, really. But that while we're waiting, we do have these great little teasers to consider. Um, a March 31st episode called The Great British Fake Off. I mean, that just made me chuckle. Um, one, because I know my mother-in-law loves the actual baking show. So I just thought of all the, the fun ways that that could go. The So Long and Good Night uh, sounds like a really great title. So I'm looking forward to all that it implies and will contain. And I think we all know that right now we are all being asked to show as much patience as possible, whether you're in a shelter in place, whether you're expecting one 
or whether you know those who have, and you're seeing how that impacts what we would normally expect from entertainment and other services. I think as long as we keep that patience and understanding in mind, things like this will be easier for us to expect in some ways. And then also with that, expect that once things get better, that they can resume. And knowing that they've already got great content in the can waiting for us and they just want to release it in an efficient way, in a smart way, so they can have the other stuff build on. I'm looking forward to what's coming. So in the meantime, I have no problem waiting. Plus, all the things you guys talked about are going to make it even easier because it's not just my arguments anymore. It's the great arguments of people whose opinions I trust and respect. And when it comes to that, I think... I value your opinions when it comes to our next story, one that is not the only story we've ever covered that had to deal with the unfortunate and dangerous side that comes with bringing to life our favorite characters, but also one that shows that there are ways that we can be aware, care for, look to those around us who in unexpected moments can really depend on our support and our help. Uh, Our most Recent story, our newest story, our next story has to do with a Batwoman cat crew member who was paralyzed after an onset incident and production assistant Amanda Smith was injured. The descriptions provide make it seem like uh, it was just a, a very unfortunate accident. And yet, whether it was Titans with its uh, recent injury to a stunt member or the overall dangers that can come with bringing to life any many pieced production these sorts of stories remind us of what those dangers might be kelly what was your take on this uh relatively sad news yeah um i mean it this sort of story hurts my heart it's really unfortunate and really sad to know that someone was injured in you know in pursuit of the thing that they're passionate about especially um an injury as bad as paralysis and, you know, hopefully with any luck, maybe that, that won't be a permanent diagnosis, but in a lot of cases it is. Um, I just, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate because I think as, as a whole, as a society, we tend to sort of forget that there are a lot of people working behind the scenes when, when bigger things happen. You know, when we see a TV show like Batwoman or even, you know, if we see a movie like Wonder Woman, we forget that there are hundreds of people who are working their their butts off to make that happen. Um, you know, and for a lot of them, that is their dream. That is the thing that they have gone to school for, the thing that they have trained for. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who works as a PA out in LA and it's something that, you know, you're working for 16 hours straight with hardly any food and no break sometimes just to make sure that you get it perfectly right. And so to know that somebody's injured in this way doing that, it just, yeah, it, it just kind of hurts my heart. Uh, Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I was astounded to read that uh, it was a production assistant. Usually when these things happen, it's um, a stunt person. So it's just, that was just mind blowing to me like you know that you normally hear about those things and it must have been just a freak thing but you know there is a a slight bit of uh room for hope in the story and that she may walk again so i certainly hope that it you know 
weeks and months down the road that she can, you know, walk again. And it's just a, a terrible, a terrible situation. Uh, Steve? Love and best wishes to Amanda Smith and her family and friends and everyone who works on the show. But is it me? Um, it's quite concerning that isn't um, Batwoman the show where a stunt coordinator was killed um, during the making of it? And I know Ruby Rose was close to having uh, she d- did have some temporary paralysis after a motorbike accident. Um, I'm a little bit worried that this show is not taking enough measures when it comes to safety to have three incidents on one show. I'm fairly sure that, um, that stunt coordinator from a few months back that we reported on the show was, was from Batwoman, unless I'm wrong, but I know for a fact that Ruby Rose was partially paralyzed after a motorcycle, um, incident went wrong filming the show too. So, Oof, scary times. And it's a shame because the show started off a little bit wobbly, but it's been getting better and better week by week by week. And it's rapidly become one of my favorites. So tragic, sad, but at least, as you said, Brad, it doesn't look permanent. There's a chance for recovery. And listen, where there's life, there's hope. So let's let's pray that that's the way forward and uh, that Amanda has a speedy recovery. Seth, what did you make of it? Well, I was really moved by the fact that this story, the details of it seem to have occurred right before production shut down due to the developing uh, issues regarding the coronavirus. And I was also moved by the fact that, as Brad pointed out, production assistant, this isn't someone whose job is generally to be put in harm's way. I don't remember whether or not it was a coordinator uh, on Batwoman that was injured, but I do remember what you were talking about in reading a story about how Ruby Rose had recovered from an injury that had seemed much more serious and thankfully turned out uh, to be not so in the end. And that's my hope and why I'm still kind of keeping a a relative degree of of positivity where I'm trying to keep the sadness to uh, a certain level because the positive points that they address, the way that she has already had surgery that they're hoping is successful, that they believe there's a possibility, given her current scenario, that she could show uh, increased signs of sensitivity and awareness and regain the ability to walk. But that uh, if this is more than one, more than two examples of an issue occurring with the show, I think there's a part of me that's also uh, heartened by the fact that it appears that the, I believe they called it um, WorkSafe BC, the Working Compensation Board in British Columbia, has already launched an investigation. And hopefully they can rule out whether this has just been a very tragic series of events or if there is something that can be done to improve the diligence regarding safety. Because if it's more than one, it's too many. I mean, even one at some point is just too many, but more than one is a real concern. Hopefully it's something that can be addressed, that there can be measures put in place, and we can look forward to hearing stories about how Amanda Smith is making a positive recovery. The show has learned from its mistakes and is moving forward, and hopefully we don't have to report on types of stories like this too much in the future. I am also keeping with that, hoping hoping that other shows will look to examples like this and reevaluate what they've been doing. And as we all can, find ways to do it better, make it safer, protect those around us that we care about. It's 
become a really important thing for us now. And I think it's something we should keep in mind as we always can moving forward. With that in mind, I am also encouraged by the fact that she had a GoFundMe set up that had already surpassed its original goal of 50000 and set a new goal of 100000 I'm hoping they break 500000 and they're able to provide even more than they thought was possible. I also think that I don't want a story like this to get lost. I feel like with the sort of overwhelming shadow of the coronavirus, it could be easy for a story like this to not receive the proper amount of attention. And I'm hoping that as long as we keep giving it that amount of attention, that we can continue to provide Amanda with the support she's going to continue to need. So with that in mind, a positive, hopeful light on the part of yours truly as we head into an ad break and come back to you with all of our comic book news. Stay tuned. Take in all of the sights and sounds. We'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. And just like that, quicker than a flash. We're back with our comic book news right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. And while we left off with a bit of hope, there is the other side of reality that must be meted out in response to the effects of the coronavirus, one that had been sort of suggested to not be as heavily impacted was the idea of Free Comic Book Day potentially becoming Free Comic Book Month and now making the decision to postpone until a later date. I was hopeful before. I have some concerns now. I have faith in the team I'm hanging out with to remind me of all the ways I can continue to be hopeful. Kelly, no pressure, but you're first up. What's your take on this story and what you think about what it means to try and make an adjustment for the month of May and then make the final decision to do the postpone to a later date, maybe in the summer? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's the smartest decision they could make right now. Um, and again, it's it's not canceled it's just later on in the summer which is probably the best possible thing um 
yeah, I mean, I, I know free comic book day is just, for me, it's the day that you go to, the, you pick up the free comic books, but then you also spend, you know, as much time as reasonably possible rifling through whatever boxes of back issues that they have and, you know, just enjoying sort of the, the comic book store atmosphere, which in the sense of a, a global pandemic is not necessarily the best atmosphere to be in. Um, so pushing it back is the most responsible decision they could have made and not canceling it is the most hopeful decision that they could have made. So this is, you know, I, I sort of assumed on, on some level that this would happen and yeah, it's as long as it, as long as we still get our free comic book day at some point, I don't mind if it's later on in the summer or even, you know, early fall, eventually we will have that back again. It's just what's most important is for everyone to be safe right now. Um, Brad? You know, I, I, I'm torn, um, but the, I'm Mr. Optimistic, and this does give me a silver lining that these things are being uh, postponed instead of canceled. Uh, it came out recently that uh, BookCon was being postponed. It's not outright canceled, so that is great news. Uh, there's a little horror convention in Jersey uh, Chiller Theater that I go to. Uh, and that's been postponed and not canceled, so that's great. Uh, it's it's looking like it's going to shape up as these things get rescheduled, that when this all is over and we're back uh, to being able to, to go to these events, that this summer is going to be insane because it seems like a lot of stuff is being pushed back to the summer. So uh, I, I think that summer 2020 is just going to be uh, – crazy i think people are starting they're going to start to feel good again hopefully you know hopefully we can get everything under control by then and have a really good summer and having these events to look forward to then is is good now the one thing i'm concerned about is the dc issue the uh, generations issue that was supposed to come in good, uh, free comic book day that was from my understanding that was going to kind of kick off the whole thing so what's that going to do for the scheduling of those issues um and with all these non-essential business closing anyway kind of comic book purchasing in general is kind of up in the air at this point um but i i just hope that 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 can all uh, be ironed out uh, steve yeah same concerns um if i get my comics free a couple of months later than I expected to, I'm still getting free comics, so that's a positive. But the fact that the 5G launch was part of it means, does that mean even more titles are going to get even more delayed further down the line? That's that's the bugbear that I had in my mind too. So it's great that even though we don't share a birthday, um, we still have that same brain thing working with you <laughs> and I as well, Brad. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, Makes sense because, yeah, like Kelly said, Free Comic Book Day isn't just going in and getting the free stuff, um, even though I know lots of people who do and they annoy me. It's about chatting with friends, talking about what's come out for free, what else you've got off your pull list, what new graphic novels are out, checking the back issue bins and generally having a great day with like-minded people. But in this situation, in this climate, that's not a smart thing to do. So for people's safety, for the ongoing health, um risks that, that are attached it's a good idea to delay it so roll on the summer because as it gets hotter 
the less chance the virus has to survive because it thrives in cold weather, heat, and even drinking hot drinks helps kill it stone dead. So it's going to be a hot time in the old town come August and free comic book day. Seth, what did you make of the story? I hear Will Smith and Summertime playing in the background now, thanks to all of you. <laughs> it's just got that really sweet oh, yeah. summer, summer, summertime. And uh, there's something encouraging about what you guys are saying. Brad, uh, you did a great thing by pointing out how many different events you know of that are postponed and not canceled. I'm a bit of a soccer nut. So recent news about some of uh, the English Premier football teams and decisions to cancel outright certain events has been difficult for my early morning weekend ventures. But knowing that we're keeping in mind so many of the things we were talking about with the Emerald City Con that, Kelly, you, you, you pointed out so wisely, which was the idea that we all touch the same things at these things. <laughs> and it's something that happens. And Steve, when you were talking about the fact that, yeah, there's the people that come in and get free stuff, but then there's those of us who like to just hang out and soak up the vibe that Kelly and Brad were both describing. I immediately remember when it was two years ago, three years ago, I was at Free Comic Book Day and they had a special going on with graphic novels. And I went ahead and got like three volumes of the Starman Omnibus and I was just oh, losing so my brakes. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh, it's so great. Oh, I love that stuff. I love yes. that stuff. And I've been yeah. getting away with reading copies from the library, which were just torn and beat to – and I didn't care because free library. I don't care. Like, just let me read this stuff. So getting my hands on copies later and getting them for a value and then also creating that, like, space for four, five, and six, knowing I'd get one, two, and three later on. But just coming across a find like that. Having books that I want at a great bargain value on top of the free comic books and the experience of the people around, the only problem is I remember thumbing over everything to get to those. And I remember thumbing, you know, next to the guy next to me, to my right, to the lady, you know, over behind me or to the one in front of me, whoever it was, we were all shifting, fumbling through. I don't remember any of us having wipes or gloves. And in this current climate, that just seems like a horrible idea. So I, I get that we want to do the postpone. I love the idea of it being postponed to summer. And I'm also really heartened by this fact that Diamond is already planning to ship the intended titles over the next couple of weeks. And the fact that that could give us a bit of a flux between now and then. Again, we're optimistic folks on here, as it's been stated by not just myself. And with that in mind, should things improve? Could we have an earlier time frame knowing that the retailers already have their books, knowing that there's been incentives like holding back on billing until the first week of August and other opportunities that can still make free comic book day a great possibility when the timing lines up for it. So, you know, I went into this not sure how I could find all the hopeful parts. And thanks to you guys. I am reminded of them all and encouraged and heartened by them. So I think Free Comic Book Day, as has been pointed out by others so well, it's postponed. It's not forgotten. It's not canceled. It's just coming soon to an LCS near you. That's something I can live with. I mean, it's something I'm happy to live with. And I love the idea of looking forward to that as a great celebration afterwards when we can be around each other without that sense of fear and concern that I feel is so prevalent right now that we can't avoid because of 
so much uncertainty. So my certainty looking ahead is that when we enjoy it, Free Comic Book Day is going to be one of those great sighs of relief and celebration after this difficult period that we're kind of relying on each other for. Thanks, guys. You uh, you made that story a lot better than I thought it would be. And uh, I got this smile on my face. You just can't see. But if you listen, it's right there in my voice. And I'm using it to power into the next story because Legion of Superheroes number six and number seven is postponed. And I am not daunted in announcing that because of how the collective is driving me forward. With that in mind, Kelly, we can look to some bright sides even in the midst of these announcements. Is there a bright side that we can find in all this? Can you help me keep the torch burning and pass it on to Brad and Steve and together we can as the noble party, as the fellowship, find that way? Kelly, no pressure. I I think we can um, on the grounds that Yes, this is postponed. And as I said earlier, I'm at this point refusing to begrudge any company for postponing things. Um, just, again, the world is upside down right now. What this does mean, though, is that towards the end of spring into summer and onward, we're going to have an influx of really awesome content coming out. And uh, apparently that's going to include Legion of Superheroes number six and seven. So there, there is our, our torch of hope that we are going to have just a ton of really cool stuff to do later in the year. Um, Hell yeah. Brad, Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, right now, I, I, I'm kind of feeling good about these delays, almost. Um, because right now, you know, like I had mentioned before, with shops closing, it's kind of up in the air what they're going to do with new releases at this point anyway. Some stores might be uh, doing mail orders, uh, you know, and, and who's to say what's going to happen down the line if, if they can even wind up in the stores. So these delays might be an okay thing right now anyway, because I think that everything's going to be delayed. So maybe this can give DC a chance to kind of catch its breath and get caught up a little bit. And maybe we'll be seeing less of these delays. But I think that uh, given the state of things, I think that these delays are kind of easier to uh, easier to take these days. As God knows, we have talked about these delays over and over and over again. But you know, now it kind of it puts it in a different perspective what's going on. And uh, I think that uh, maybe at the end of the day, this can be kind of a good thing to get everything caught up with DC. Steve, what do you think? I can put a positive on this story. It's a Brian Bendis comic, so our good friend Matt Lloyd really won't care. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one day we have to make his comments more well known to the community so they can understand our mirth and joy. Yes, he, let's put it this way, he's not the biggest Brian Bendis fan in the world. I worked, so on, I worked with him on one article, and that was the main thing that I gathered was that fact. Like, that was almost, I would say, the first conversation we had that came up. <laughs> so, yep, there's your positive, Seth, and do with it what you will. <laughs> what did you I, the story, my friend? I will... Keep in mind what Brad was just saying, that, you know, these postponements are giving everyone a chance to catch their breath and hopefully giving a bit of respite for the comic shops. 
Um, in fact, I wanted to follow up and just get a sense from everybody really quick what your feeling has been from the comic shops around you and what you can take from it um, with news like this and how that reflects on, on what you think about them. As, as Bragg kind of really folded that idea really nicely into this story, I know that one of my local comic shops has been doing things like curbside pickup. Um, on Fridays, they send out an email for their final orders asking you to put those in before the close of business on Monday. And that in the most recent one, I got a message saying, please support us during this time with your orders for those things that we know we are still going to be carrying. And these are the ways they're working around. I think they're even offering free delivery up to 25 miles. And these are the manners that they have, or the manners, these are the tactics that they have started to put in place to mitigate what has been a, a big issue for them as a business. You know, to-go options are available for shelter in place. Pickup only options are available for some outlets, some stores, some communities. How are you guys seeing this with your LCSs, what they're communicating with you uh, about the current climate and, and things like whether it's postponements or continuing trying to order ahead? Uh, I'll go with Kelly first. Yeah, um, I think the the comics shops near me have been closed for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's online orders seems to be the way to go, which luckily I a couple weeks ago pre-ordered a bunch of stuff that I forgot that I pre-ordered. So I've been getting, you know, these texts that they're they're ready for um for pickup, which now has turned into ready for delivery, which luckily the the closest comic shop to me is about two blocks away, so they won't have to do the full 25 miles. Um but yeah, I think it's it's a weird time for retailers. Um so yeah, I mean again, read more comics, put in more orders. Just if you have nothing to do, even one or two comics a week is probably an okay thing to order just to keep that market going because it's on top of everything else. This is a really financially weird time, especially for small businesses, which most comic book stores tend to be. Um, yeah, so everything is just going to be online orders and deliveries. And I'm fine with that because that's how I. I I'm almost ashamed to admit that that's how I was doing a majority of my grocery shopping right before this, because I just would get home from work and not feel like going outside. So yeah, just order some books. Gotcha. How about you, Brad? If you were to make a list of my top 20 favorite things in this universe or any other on that list somewhere would be Midtown comics. Uh, I absolutely love that story. Oh yeah. yeah. I love it. And all the, the the people there actually know me. They I go in, hey, Brad, how are you doing? So I actually had to go in there today one last time to say goodbye to everybody, uh, you know, before they closed down. Because God bless them. They stayed open till the end. Um, you know, I, I just I, I love that store so much. So um, the, the, the unfortunate thing with them, though, is that. I would love it if they had some Dorsa or curbside pickup. I would jump on that. But because that New York City right now is going to be under a shelter in place, they're not going to be able to be open. So right now, I, I, I think they're still trying to iron things out, but it looks like it might have to be mail order. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's a bummer. You know, right now, uh, I, I don't buy too many month-to-month -month books. I, I'm more of a trade guy. 
So I, I think that with the issues that I do get, I can go ahead and get them mail ordered and then just kind of catch up on my trades once this all settles down. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss Midtown Comics for the next for the foreseeable future, for sure. Uh, Steve? Similar situation. I love going to the comic shop. It's it's my go-to place. As I said, it's it's almost more of a social thing than it is a shopping thing because it's you know me getting in touch with people who love the same things that I do. And I'm extra extra uh, upset because uh, the last time I went, the one book I really wanted to pick up was the 100-page Robin 80th anniversary special, and Diamond didn't deliver it. So I ended up walking out with everything but my number one choice of books. I'm going to have to find a made-order place to send it to me because I need this book. Obviously, I got the digital copy for the review, and that review turned into a dissertation more than anything else. Um, But I digress. I need that comic. So if mail-order is the way forward uh, until I can pop into a comic shop and see my uh, friends again that work there, then that's all I can do, I guess. What about you, Seth? Yeah, my experience has been currently with uh, Cape and Cowell in Oakland, which is uh, my my hometown shop, a great group of guys. Uh, the ones who last year when my wife went to free comic book day for me, just treated her like family, uh, sent her home with uh, the Mr. Miracle collection for me in the trade. Um, and make me feel just like a part of the family whenever I stop in. I'm I'm hurting when I see an email from them that's got the owner behind a glass door saying, see you soon, and which is his closed business door, but letting us know all the different ways they're trying to provide services, that they can bring things out to the curb and leave them for you there. They can still take advanced orders. They're still looking for orders and that they need our orders. And I am more than willing to eat a couple extra cans of chili or drink some dehydrated milk if it allows me to have five or ten bucks in my pocket each week to throw towards them for books. Um, on occasion, I've been lucky enough to do some monthly titles for a little bit, a couple of books that really catch my attention. I've gone after some of them I'm now waiting on, like Inferior 5 and others, but I also know that when I go in there, I'm not being asked to walk out with a dollar amount. I'm being asked as a comic book fan, how's it going today? And what's cool that you're reading? And do you want to hear about some cool stuff you might not have heard about, which is my favorite thing to ask those guys like, hey, what are you reading right now? What's good? And there's always something new I didn't know about. And it's a a wonderful discovery for me. Um, I love the DC uh, Comics line. But when I hear about these other fun things like Tartarus or Heist or uh, other great comics where I'm like, this is some cool new concept I've never heard of. This is so much fun. I never would have known about it if you hadn't told me. That's a community that can't be replaced through curbside and drop off, but that I can also take heart in that, you know, there was a time when it wasn't cool or popular to love the things that we love. And the culture subsisted, the culture persisted, the culture thrived. Um, so, much like all communities that facing a struggle right now with the way the climate is, I, I've got this this faith that if I can find a way to keep giving a little bit, that I can be part of a group giving a little bit and that together we can give enough. So 
I'm keeping my ears attuned for all the changes they might be offering, and I'm looking for the ways that I can still provide support to them while, like a human being, worrying about you know how I can provide for my family and loved ones. But that's who they are too. So I I know that hearing the ways that they're still working gives me this incentive to say, okay, well, I can match you in some way. You're meeting me halfway. I'm going to find a way to meet you. It might not be every day. It might not be on the day I want. It might be a week later than I expected. But knowing that you're working to be there for me makes me want to work to be there for you. Um, and that's probably where I'd love to to leave it at that because, you know, Steve, you kind of set us up in this really lovely way of uh, of moving into our next great story. You know, I'm really bummed you didn't get a chance to get a copy of that Robin uh, exclusive, that wonderful 100 pager. But our next story gets a chance to talk about maybe some elements you covered in your dissertation. We'll see what Kelly and Brad have to say first, and then we'll move it on down to you. And I'm talking about a story that features um, one of the stories in that 100 page Robin Spectacular, and that's the turn of Dick Grayson or Dick Grayson as Grayson, who you might remember from his spiral days and a story that's discussed in this story. Kelly, what was your take on all this? Yeah, I I really like the idea that they included that um, in the 80th anniversary, especially it's such a a great way to get to know Dick Grayson and, you know, shows such a developmental time for his character. And on top of that, the fact that, you know, his time as an agent of Spiral sort of links into how he knows Huntress and sort of their connection to each other, um, which then ties right back into Birds of Prey and the fact that that was a very underrated movie. So, yeah, I I like that they included it. Um, I think the big question that I'm coming away with is I keep hearing that Dick Grayson is Rick Grayson now and it's driving me crazy. Do you guys know, is he Rick? Is he Dick? What is his name? At the oh, moment, so he's fun. calling himself Rick Grayson, and people are going nuts about it, but the stories are fantastic. So if they want to miss out on not read a great comic book, that's that's their loss, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, I mean, I can't say we're all adults. Hopefully there are some readers who are not adults, but <laughs> it, it, it never bothered me. And it's funny, like even going up through through high school and college, the name Dick Grayson never made me chuckle in that really stupid way that kids chuckle when they hear a word that could also mean something else. Like it's that name has never, except for seeing it on the uh, the DC Universe U log on on the little <laughs> <laughs> on the little stocking. That's the only time it made me chuckle because I was like, never mind. But it's, again. Whatever, whether he's Dick Grayson or Rick Grayson, I'm really glad that this story is included. And if people have been picking up the uh, the birds of play, the uh, birds of prey issues um, of those trade paperbacks, it does actually tie directly into Huntresses. So, all in all, really good way to go full circle with this, um, Brad. Yeah, I was really glad to see the story. Uh, come back with him as being an agent uh, Spiral and all that uh, Because I kind of forgot how much I liked those stories It's been a while since I, I read them So it was kind of like Oh yeah, those were so good um, In fact, it was one of the the Stories that I liked the, the, you know, More in that, in that collection So Steve, I think you're in for a treat 
um, yeah, it was kind of cool to see him back. And Rick, Dick, whatever. I'm fine with either one. Although I think that, to be honest, if my name was uh, Dick, I'd want to go by Rick, too. So uh, that's just me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Steve? Oh, I have actually read it, of course, because I reviewed, oh, I reviewed the oh, book. Oh, that's for, true, yeah, that's true. I just don't own a physical copy, which, as a comics collector, is uh, extremely annoying, as all three of you will no doubt yeah. understand. So, yeah, I, I, I loved um, Grayson's run. But I, I don't know if you guys remember that when it was first announced and when uh, the whole thing of his secret identity being revealed and uh, Bruce and the whole Bat family having to fake uh, Dick's death, uh, people lost their minds about that as well. And yet Grayson went down to be one of the most beloved runs of the character's history. And I promise you, once um, the status quo is restored, because remember, this is Dick Grayson's 80th anniversary as a comics character. It's not just Robbins. He was the original. He was the one that started it all. Anyone who doubted that this story arc that's currently going on in Nightwing wouldn't at the end return to the status quo it's deluding themselves. And the fact that they've boycotted this series without reading a single issue just because he's calling himself Rick now. And you all quite rightly say the name Dick as a shortening for Richard went out in the 60s with Burt Ward and Adam West. Um, I know very few Richards who um, would accept being called Dick. And when I do call him that, it's clearly to get a rise out of them. They know it. And I know it. So Rick is a much more realistic name or even Richard. And um, let's remember, Alfred, may he rest in peace, never called him Dick. He called him Master Richard or Master Dick um, at a push. Um, so the whole thing about the name change is nonsense, because even though he denied his, his heritage and his past, because all he remembered was being a circus kid, the hero is inside him. The muscle memory is there when he's backed into a corner. He reacts and he's still the hero he always was. When the little guy needs protecting, he stands right up and protects him. This is still the Nightwing we know and loved, whatever he's calling himself. So people, when this story run ends and you pick up the trade paperbacks and you realise what great comics you missed and they all rise in value and you don't have the originals, yabu suck, shame on you. I hope you're proud of yourselves. But uh, as for this Grayson story in the 100-page special... Yes, almost half this issue is dedicated to Dick Grayson. Some people aren't too happy about that, but let's remember, let's put this into perspective. Throughout his 80-year history, Dick Grayson was Robin for 44 of those years. So yes, he does deserve to have almost half of this book. I don't care what anybody else says. Poor old Jason Todd, if you discount his pre-crisis uh, clone of Dick Grayson, red-haired circus boy, only appeared as Robin in 20 issues of Batman. So that's less than two years. So, guys, respect Dick Grayson. He was the first. He was the original. And while I'm a huge Tim Drake fan, you can't discredit or disrespect the OG Boy Wonder. Mr. Seth, what do you make of it? Well, I do know now that if you haven't, and you're listening, you need to find Steve J. Ray's dissertation on the 80th anniversary spectacular. Because if that is just a hint to the insights he's providing, well, really, is that something you want to miss out on? I'm just saying that to start out with. Uh, what I have to say about this story is I love the fact that 
you made such a great argument, Steve, about why Dick gets the lion's share of the story coverage in these pages. If he was the longest one at it and he was the one who established the mantle that the others seek to assume, then there should be a, a very large degree of recognition placed on that. And there's a reason why so many stories should be about him. Because one of the things that I love about uh, what Richard, what Dick, what he was able to do is not only be the quintessential Robin, but then be the example of every other sidekick, every other partner to then launch off on their own as Nightwing. The way he did that to this day is still it's an example that I think it, others are hard pressed to follow it. But not only that, to then go through this huge change and become Grayson, have his public identity killed off and become a spy and then watch this guy who has been so confident because he'd been at the superhero game for so long suddenly back sort of learning the ropes and understanding what a new terrain is like and how to navigate it with those wonderful skills that he has it, it made for some really compelling stories uh, as far as the rick thing uh, kelly i totally get the confusion um when i started picking up night nightwing again and like catching through it, it it took a minute to get a sense of just how badly things had gone after he was shot by the kg beast but what i really took to heart was the idea that what we're seeing right now is a character who's trying to forge their identity based on what they can use to hold on to and poor poor Richard has been basically pushed through so many different situations that he's having a difficult time even trusting the memories that he can recall. And with that, I love the fact that he's using Rick as this way of saying, I don't know about anything that led up to now, but right now my identity is this guy, Rick, trying to figure out who he is, knowing that he can do all these wonderful things. And, and along the way, sort of forge his way back. And Steve, I, I don't doubt for a second the purpose of this story is for Rick to come home to his identity as the first Robin and make this full circle and through it become more aware of how important that is because of all the challenges he's facing presently. So I, I for one, am looking forward to the arc this story will eventually be taking. Um, I love that this story talked about how, at the time, Grayson was derided, and now it's celebrated. And this is something that's shown in this story and the way that this 100-page spectacular has done a wonderful job of showing just what Richard Grayson has meant to the Robin Mantle, what he's meant to sidekicks who have a chance to force their own identity, what he's meant to the DC universe. Because one of the hardest things in the world would be the idea of having a DC universe without him. And we've already experienced what that's like for characters when they had to consider that as a possibility. Um, what he means for us now is, well, he's an example that I'm looking forward to because he's he's forging that path and he's coming eventually back to himself. That's a story I will pick up and read chapter by chapter by chapter. And you're right. If people aren't following along right now, um, you should be. You're missing out. It's some gorgeous storytelling. And the most recent issue, it's setting up some wonderful Ooh, things. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> With that in mind, of course, there are still complications that we want to address. We had a bright note there for a moment to touch on some 
you know, really wonderful experiences that we had with that 100-page spectacular. But in the face of all things, there are still some disappointments, some difficulties. The most recent comic book news story for us is the announcement that Harley Quinn and Birds of Braid number two has been pushed back for weeks. Um, clearly, many things can be expected as far as delays and uncertainties. How did this story affect you, given about everything we've talked about up to this point, Kelly? And as we move on through, uh, what did you take on this? Yeah, um, I mean, at this point, again, it's it's sort of par for the course that we're going to be expecting delays. Um, and actually, with the Birds of Prey movie now, you know, it's, it's going to be on Amazon and other streaming apps this might actually be a good thing. If it's back a little bit further, that gives more people time to see the movie, to be like, oh, hey, you know, what's uh, what's going on in the books? And then maybe actually they can catch up at this point because it's going to be delayed by four weeks. So what I would typically say is a negative might actually work out in a positive in this way. Brett? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree uh, for the same reasons. Uh, although I am bummed because I really enjoyed the first issue. So I was looking forward to seeing uh, you know, where the story went. Uh, it felt very Tarantino-esque in a way. So I, I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, but yeah, you know, this is something that we just have to kind of roll with uh, for the time being. Um, and uh, at least I think that it'll definitely be worth the wait. So, I mean, that's something. But, you know, Kelly, I think I think that you're right. I think that it might be a good thing once people get a chance, more people get a chance to see the movie now that it's hitting the video on demand. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll see. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I have to echo both of you there. Kelly, I completely agree. We all said that uh, when the movie came out in theaters, it was dumb that there wasn't a comic book on the shelves to coincide with the release of the film. But then obviously the book kept being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. The Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti first issue came out and yeah, Brad loved it. What a great comic. But uh, now we have to wait for issue two. But if that coincides with the video on demand release of the film, people, those who didn't see this film in the theatres, go to your platform of choice, stream it, download it, do whatever you want to do, because this movie is one gigantic Jimmy Palmiotti and the Manaconda comic book yeah. in yeah. book in, in movie form, in live action form. These characters are straight off the comics page. You will have a couple of hours of great fun. And then if you love it, hey, guess what? There's a whole world of great comics starring these characters and even a brand new title that contains every single one of the ones you've seen in this film. So pluses and minuses. Um, I'm going to stick to the pluses. Watch the film, buy the comic everybody wins yeah and if i can just add sorry uh just that you are absolutely right i'm glad that you brought that up about the connor palmiati thing oh yeah both both the animated series and the film seem so inspired by that and having that back on the stands was so nice to return to like the source overall that came from so yeah but yeah i I agree 100 percent. great minds think alike brad and so do yours and mine i love that (laughs) 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 yes they do they do we love you both for them kelly we love you too um we we have to you know be reminded of of the the way that these things can actually be so fortuitous and i think everyone did a wonderful job of pointing that out 
Sure, it's unfortunate when there's delays. But also, we were bemoaning a time back when these things weren't going to line up. Now, you have an opportunity to get the product, the movie, on your platform, video on demand. Number one has come out. If you missed it, you have an opportunity to go back and get it. Mail order, digital, however you choose to. And between this, the movie, maybe even the Harley Quinn TV show, get yourself to a really good caught up phase by the time book two comes out. I mean, it almost seems like everyone's doing everything in their power to make sure this opportunity is there. What are you going to do? Let it pass you by? Come on now. You know, we're rabid comic book or, whoa, uh, <laughs> or whatever that noise was, fans. So when it comes to that, like, we're going to jump on board. We're going to throttle ahead. And I'm keeping that in mind as we move into our other story announcing a postponement. And that has to do with the fact that Doom Patrol, Way of the Worlds, has postponed its finale 13 weeks from the original January 29th. Uh, we're pushing it all the way now to uh, April 29th. There's been a succession of delays. Um, this is to be expected. You guys did a wonderful job of finding the positive in the Birds of Prey delay. No pressure, but Kelly, go. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, looking at this one, I, I don't. I again, not going to begrudge anyone going to try to stay positive. At least this looks like. And it's bizarre because we, we've been, you know, sort of lamenting all of these delays, but it almost looks like everything's going to line up to come out sort of right in a, a hub of like great content sort of being re-released now that all of the, the chaos is over. Um, it, it is unfortunate that it was delayed that much. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not positive what's going on with the, the Doom Patrol show or how much that's going to line up. Um, but yeah, I I said I wouldn't fault anyone, and I'm not going to fault anyone. Brad? <laughs> yeah, I, my, I guess my positive spin would be, when we've talked about the Doom Patrol getting delayed, uh, you know, I thought a lot of it had to do with the fact that Gerard Way was had a lot on his plate. He had the reunion yep. tour and with My Chemical Romance and everything like that, so it was understandable. But now with the situation, I'm sure that tour is going to get delayed, and maybe he now has a little more time on his hands where he can kind of re- refine these issues even you know even more than he had before and, and really perfect them. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it'll give him a chance to find, you know to get a product that he's really proud of. Uh, out to people so I, mean, I guess that was my take on it but um, yeah I mean like we've all been saying with it's these delays are completely understandable right now uh, Steve yeah we've been talking about it last few weeks haven't we Brad where this guy isn't just the comic book writer he's a world-renowned uh, musician and, and musical artist as well and the fact that this amazing band is getting back together they're going to tour again they're going to make new music and he's still got a little TV show that he's behind based on another one of his independent comics, something about uh, an academy full of uh, rain-stopping devices or some such. Um, plus the fact he's writing Doom Patrol as well. This is one busy dude. Let him do his work. 
I'm sure the final issue will be worth the wait. And at least it's not like Doomsday Clock where we had to wait months and 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 months for every single one. And the 12 issue miniseries that should have lasted a year ended up taking two. It's just the final issue we're waiting for. And when we have that, we'll have all 12 and then we can read them all again. So, yes, I'm staying positive. Mr. Way, look after yourself. Keep making the tunes. Keep writing the comics and hurry up with season two of the Academy of Penguin's favorite toys. Seth, what did you make of the story? <laughs> uh, whether it is the Academy of Penguin's favorite toys, rain stopping instruments or implements, whatever it might be that he is focusing on in the time, the guy's clearly busy. It, you would go from announcing a concert tour to reflecting on how the current climate is going to impact that. Of course, the original announcement is going to affect the comic book. Now the other developments are going to impact what your scheduling was going to be. I like what the guy's doing as an artist. I can only imagine his head is spinning, trying to keep track of all the different plates that he has up in the air spinning as well, and how to best respond to the most important thing first and then responsibly handle everything else. So the time that that might require is time that I'm willing to give. I've been collecting a lovely assortment of great books that I would love to sit down and read for the first time, others to read through again. I have no problem rereading through the previous issues of Doom Patrol Way of the World and preparing for what is eventually to come. So I would say that, you know, all that understanding we said we're going to need, I love to hear us displaying it in stories like this. And clearly, as Kelly pointed out, we do have this like veritable, I'm not sure what would be the best word to describe it, but convergence is the first word that comes to mind of so many different things in such a short period of time based on how these rescheduled dates are appearing to line up. So maybe we all just need to get as much food, sleep, and other sustenance as necessary because, I don't know, maybe once it all gets going, we're never going to stop. <laughs> we're just going to be tearing from event to experience to event to book. And after all of the uh, resting, that's something I'm going to look forward to. Now, that's not the only thing because we do have a uh, final set of stories, two more coming towards you. One of which we knew about, one that was dropped in at the last minute. We're kicking off the next news story with a teaser for Titans Giant number two and a rather, as the title implies, bloody marriage for DC's Ravager. Um, I don't know. That sounds like rather ominous. But then again, there could be a lot of fun to be taken as well. Kelly, did you follow the ominous or positive side when it came to this story? <laughs> think ominous on on the grounds that my takeaway is well anything involving red hood jason todd whatever is going to be bloody um <laughs> that's you know that's that's kind of his mo but um yeah i i just i'm really enjoying these giant books and just the way they look and sort of that that old school vibe where it's like the the dramatic oh, there's, there's this crazy marriage between these two characters that you would never think gets married. And there's clearly one of them holding a dagger behind the other's back on the cover. And just, it's, it's that sort of ridiculousness that made comic books fun in the first place. Um, 
so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to it brad yeah me too uh and actually i you know i i love these giant books too actually i'm taking this uh this downtime to kind of catch up on uh both reading these giant issues and filling up holes in the library uh you made a few that i was missing looking forward to having those show up uh and i just recently read titan's giant number one because I, I I haven't been reading them since they've been in Walmart. I've been reading them since they came to comic shops. So um, I just that just came out and I read that and I really enjoyed it. And um, but as far as this Ravager and Red Hood story, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that doesn't last too long. Uh, it could be a real fun like a few page story. Uh, it, it definitely uh, could be fun. And I do think that that. That dagger behind uh, his back is definitely something uh, something on the ominous side of things. Uh, Steve, what do you think? It, it's so funny because, yeah, that, that cover's classic because they're looking lovingly into each other's eye slits in their masks, but each one of them's holding a knife behind the other's back. And yeah. it's the other characters' faces as well, which are just priceless looking and thinking, what the actual F is going on here? <laughs> but then if you look at, season two of titans that whole relationship between jason and rose was was brilliant i actually hope they get together and they stay together after the brainwashing wears off because these two are so well suited amazing fighters brilliant characters both abused and mistreated in ways by their powerful and uh, famous mentors um yeah let give love a chance that's what i say let there be love um people give them a go and buy these 100 page giants because they are the best value comic books on the market we don't have walmart here so now that they're available in comic shops even i can buy them which makes me one happy and very very poor comic book fan seth what did you make of this lovely story uh to be poor happy and in love i believe that is the trifecta that is the wonder um i love the fact that these two characters are paired together jason todd has really he's made a place in my heart whether it was red hood and the outlaws whether it was his uh you know just inability to in my mind when i first met him live up to the mantle of dick as Robin and the journey that he's taken to become the, the man he is now is uh, it's really a wonder to behold. If you're not checking out Red Hood and the Outlaws, just every once in a while, scoop one up. Um, it's it's just it's so much fun. I get a chance to see him outside of the shadow that he's often placed in when he occurs in other titles and when he makes appearances there. There's an expected, you know, this is what Jason does. This is how he is. But there's more to who he is. And I love the title of Red Hood Outlaw, the way it's been showing it. I love the chance now to see him in a Titan story. And, I mean, I think one of the few characters in the DC universe who could be his partner and have that same sort of amazing viciousness that he displays at times is Ravager. So whether or not this is a potential romance or whether or not it is just the story as it's being told, Red Hood believes Deathstroke that Ravager is in danger. And of course we have that classic villain, Brother Blood, who always made those early books just so scary with all of the blood and the, you know, again, ominous. 
And to have those characters come into play now with this wedding and so much fun that can be sort of drawn out of the history and also the clashing of these characters. I'm looking forward to a really fun story. Um, I, I think this is going to be a, a great time. And hey, you know, in the end, all you need is love. So maybe these two can find a way to make it work. And if not, the nice thing about Jason is he's had a few relationships that seem like they could turn into something bigger down the road. Whether or not Ravager turns out to be the one, uh, I love the possibility that this story can and will be telling. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I loved what you guys were saying about the value um, and the fact that, you know, Brad and Steve, you both pointed out to those who weren't aware, if you thought you could only get them at Walmart, now they're available in your local comic shop and you can get them there. And I also loved what you guys were describing about that classic drama and the, uh, the knife behind the back, which I think Kelly started us off with uh, looking at that image and all that it implies. Uh, this is going to be a great time. And it's a great investment. And hey, if you're looking for something to read right now, we're just saying these are some great comic titles, really. Finishing off our news section and our final story of the episode is one that dropped in last minute, announced today, Superman versus Wonder Woman to be re-released as a full size. Now, some of that might ring true to the ears. But if I go in farther and say a tabloid size, well, some fans might know what we're talking about. Others might not. Did the implication mean anything for those of us with me today on the podcast? Let's go around the circle. Kelly, what was your take on this announcement, the style, and everything else that goes with this Superman versus Wonder Woman story we've announced? Well, I honestly, I have no idea what tabloid style means. Um, I've I've never gotten to. We read still love you. We still love you. <laughs> I hope so. You are forgiven, I, but this one will not fit in your purse. <laughs> <laughs> you you haven't seen my purse recently, Steve. I, I have to send you guys a picture because it's it's bigger. I promise and you, this one will not fit in your purse. I promise you. <laughs> Just, you know, you've been warned, Kelly. You've been warned. This is more of a duffel bag book is what I'm hearing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've never, I, I haven't read this story before. Although just reading the description of it, the fact that this is Wonder Woman versus Superman on a topic as controversial as the, the development of nuclear weapons is fascinating. And it's something I'm definitely going to pick up um, because th this is sort of one of the big debates of, you know, at, at the very least, American history as a whole is the development of, of, you know, the nuclear bomb and what that did versus the prospect of a never-ending World War II. And did it, it was a, a turning point for humanity. So did we do something positive? Did we do something that's ultimately going to lead to the end of us? And then to see how characters like Wonder Woman and Superman land on the, those two sides of the coin I I'm very excited to read this. I didn't know that this existed, but now that I know, I am 100% going to pick it up. And if I can't fit it in my purse, I will find a duffel bag, a barge, whatever it takes, carry it around with me. Um, Brad? Yeah, you know, before I, you know, I saw the headline before I read the article, the first thing that um, kind of popped into my head was that it reminded me of the... Superman versus Muhammad Ali, uh, 
facsimile uh, issue that they released and that really nice big edition. And then they mentioned that in the article. So I was glad to see that. So I, I, I think I'm with Kelly. I, I've never read this book, so uh, it'll kind of be a cool way to discover it as well. So I think I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, picking this up. It's definitely something that that deserves to be in your library, it sounds like. Steve? Let me tell you how much I feel like a kid again. It's not enough that the the 100-page giants are a step back in time and getting an anthology, but with lots of great superhero stories. When you see these giant treasuries reprinted, oh, I, I just feel like a kid again. I remember this book first time around. I must have been seven or eight years old when it first came out. And I don't remember the story because being seven or eight, all I remember was the pictures. And just looking at that cover takes me right back. And the same, just like you said, Brad, the Batman Muhammad Ali, the original Superman versus Spider-Man, Batman versus Hulk treasuries. Let me describe these books to you, Kelly. You know, like you have coffee uh, table books. These are books roughly the size of coffee tables. That's the only way I can actually describe it. Remember these big, massive broadsheet newspapers? So think about a comic book that size. Now, back in the day, 100 pages in a softback, that was doable. If you were a kid, you had one of these, you were happy. These new versions are being released as hardcovers. So, yeah, I can see you doing it, Amazon Warrior. You are our very own big barter. Um, Grab yourself a sack. Get this book in it because you're going to love it and you will be powerful indeed. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is great news. It's a classic story. I don't know if this if, if the writing will uh, age as well as, as the art does, but just to have a gigantic comic book in my hands once again uh, will just make me very happy indeed. And the fact it's going to be on decent quality paper and hardcover, bring it on. Seth Meister, what are your thoughts, kind sir? I can hear these lines from that great song. It's all just a little bit of history repeating. And I'm going to carry that thought with me with, I love the idea of taking these wonderful moments from history and bringing them back to life. As you said, Steve, originally as a soft cover, now as a hard cover, not just a coffee table book, a coffee table sized book um (laughs) there's a lot to celebrate and enjoy here and i loved hearing you guys describe this for us um you know put together what all of the elements of this book mean one to reprint something from 1978 now two to make it a hardcover three kelly as you're saying to to take the ideas of this argument and then have two separate characters both beloved embody both or embody the opposite sides and then watch the clash. And then of course, in the great comic book tradition, the story doesn't allow them to just battle it out. Instead, they have to take on enemies and then at some point come to either a resolution or just to a bare knuckle brawl. But I love the idea of seeing this classic story brought to life again. I love the idea that we can see these wonderful images. And I love the mystery, Steve, of wondering whether or not the text holds up over the uh, the pace of time and, and how that can be juxtaposed to these beautiful images, which will always feel timeless. So I think this is a great one to add to your collection. However, I will warn you, should Kelly let us know that she has purchased this book and you make the mistake of getting on her wrong side, 
That's a bag, oh, my yeah. friend. You simply do not <laughs> want to be struck with. And, you know, like, it's not my bag, to quote the phrase. It's simply not my bag. But I know what's in that bag, and I'm warning you. I'm just warning you. Leave the lady alone. Just for your own sake. Because I don't want to have to hear the story about how you got smacked by a giant bag with a giant book, and then were made to look foolish. Because then she's going to pull out Wonder Woman and Superman and be like, what? What? So, you know, just for all of us. That's just an unfortunate that doesn't the tactical side of this i'm so excited now but you've made my purse to a tactical weapon i'm thrilled well i did it let's, the let's, book put this, let's put <laughs> this into perspective guys let's put this into perspective we always and frequently talk about the infamous one punch one punch moment from the classic <laughs> 90s justice league True. where batman knocks out guy gardner listen if Kelly gets this book in her bag, it'll be two hits. Kelly hitting you and you hitting the floor. End of story. Everybody back up. <laughs> and what else can I say except, you know what? Y'all got to back up because that is the last story on our list today. It has been a wonder and a pleasure to celebrate with such an amazing group. The Fantabulous Four once again reunited and giving us a place to all go to in a time when it can be really helpful to hear great conversations about the things we all love and love to talk about and hear about. And I've been so lucky to be joined by such an amazing group. Um, before we get into the usual spiel, I'm going to go right to them and just say, hey, guys, People just heard you right now, and if they want to reach out and find you, let's start there. Where can they find you? I'm starting with Kelly first, and thank you all for sharing wonderful messages of hope and promise. You made this podcast a delight for me, and I am certain for everyone who is listening today. Kelly, where can the good people find you out there in the wide world? Um, you can find me doing um, editorial and opinion pieces on DC Comics News. And if you want to see my regular ramblings, you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. Awesome. And Mr. Brad, where can the good people find you, my friend? Well, you can also find me writing news and reviews on DCComicsNews.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter, FlickyB1. Uh, F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B and the number one. Awesome. And Mr. Steve J. Ray, how about you, my good friend? Right now, you'll find me locked in my house with my wife and son because we're all being forced to work from home. Oh, sorry, you mean online? <laughs> yes, okay. Um, <laughs> search for Steve J. Ray wherever you find an internet thingy what let you does the searching and also on the Twitter at El Stevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. There you can get links to all my mad perusals on the world of comics on DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, and elsewhere across Tinternet. Um, Seth Meister, where can the world and his mother find you, sir? 
Well, my mother has my phone number and she knows that I have to answer or return her calls. So, mom, you know where to find me. Let's not put Steve up to any sort of tricks here, pretending like I'm not going to call you right back or answer and interrupt this podcast to do so. Love you, Ma. Uh, When it comes to everybody else, you're not allowed to have my phone number. I'm sorry. My wife and I have rules. However, you can find me on the wide world web enter something. Uh, Type in my name, Seth Singleton, and the word story if you want. That's a great adventure. Let me know how it goes. Pick the platform. Twitter, you can find me as the number one and the words more and singleton all together. One more singleton. Seth the writer on Instagram. Uh, Seth Singleton, uh, storyteller on the uh, website and Facebook. Um, Yeah, all all those fun places. But you know what? If you want a message for all of us or one of us and you didn't catch all that, here's one you can always remember. I'm guaranteed it's going to get to us. All you have to do is pick the platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. And you just need the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Use that at DC Comics News tag for anything to do with this or any episode. We'll all get to hear it. We'll know who you're talking to, should you mention us by name. And if not, we'll all get to hear what you had to say, which is something we all really love. And should this be... For some reason, your first experience exposure to the DC Comics News podcast, don't worry. There's not only more that precedes it, but more soon to come. How can you never miss out? Well, go to your favorite podcast platform. DC Comics News is on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. Then rate, review, subscribe, and never miss out. Why do you not want to miss out? Well, because not only is it us, this great group hanging out with you, but my co-conspirator, Mr. Steve J. Ray, recently launched the podcast I Am the Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of the classic Batman the Animated Series. Guess what? You have time right now. You can catch up all the way from episode one all the way up to the current episode and relive a wonderful animated show like Batman the Animated Series. You can also catch me, new episodes of The Spinner Rack, weekly, my top five books from DC Comics, as I judge them, as I see them disagree, reach out and let me know. That's where the fun starts. Now, we've gone through all of this fun. We've talked about all these wonderful things. We have a reminder for you, one that seems as important, if not more important, right now. And that is to always... Read. More. Comics. And like that, we can't wait to see you next time. Thanks for joining us this time. You, we are the reason. Take care, folks. Talk to you soon. And if you go spelunking, be careful what kind of cave cave you climb into, please. They are not all the same. Thanks, Steve. Good reminder, folks.